welcome to the Hypochondriacs Almanac Podcast. I am here tonight with Katrina. Say hello, Katrina. Hello. In case you were wondering, this is the podcast for all of you out there who secretly think you have a new disease every time you have a sniffle, a slight twinge, or a headache. We identify, we understand, and we have definitely scoped out at WebMD more than our fair share of the times. We are here to talk weird diseases, strange illnesses, crazy syndromes, and rare disorders. Before we get started, let's talk about a few little disclaimers. First and foremost, we are not doctors or nurses or medical professionals of any kind. Please, please, please do not take what we say on this show as medical advice. We are not trying to treat you, diagnose you, or fix your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Don't guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun and weird parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Let's jump right in. Tonight, we've got a special sort of a topic planned. We are going to talk about bowel-related diseases. In particular, we want to focus on irritable bowel syndrome, celiac disease, and Crohn's disease, which all seem to be interrelated. Right, Katrina? Yes. Now, we're going to start with irritable bowel syndrome, or IBS. This particular thing... Um, and I'm getting most of my information from Wikipedia, WebMD, and the Mayo Clinic websites. But irritable bowel syndrome is a group of symptoms including abdominal pain and changes in the pattern of bowel movements without the evidence of underlying damage. And it seems as though more and more people are now suffering from these particular conditions like celiacs and Crohn's and irritable bowel syndrome. What do you think? Um, I hear, uh, I've heard from a lot of different people um, that they have one of those diseases. Um, a lot of kids, I'm hearing a lot of people are having to change their diet because of celiac disease and Crohn's disease. Crohn's can be really serious. I've had friends who have ended up in the hospital because of it. They just eat the wrong food. One girl, she ate carrots and so, ended up in the hospital. Do you think these are official diagnosis or diagnoses or these are like people that are self-diagnosing or like what's what is your no, take on that? No, these are actually people who actually have had di diagnosis from a doctor and have um, a treatment plan and whatnot with their, with their primary care. Yeah, it's pretty scary because many yeah. of these symptoms occur over a long time, often years. But they mm -hmm. sort of classify IBS into four main types, whether diarrhea is common, constipation is common, both are common, or neither occurs very often. And that's how they sort of diagnose which form of IBS you have. But IBS mm -hmm. can definitely impact the quality of life and can result in missed school or work. You can also sort of find these conditions in conjunction with anxiety, depression, and chronic fatigue syndrome. Because I think these, a lot of these people tend to not be able to um, digest foods properly or um, absorb the nutrients in the foods in the same way that people without this condition seem to be able to do. Well, not to be gross or anything, but if you've ever been constipated, anyone who's ever experienced that it's pretty uncomfortable and it's really painful and it's not something you really want to talk about with everybody no um it's definitely not fun but they say that the causes of ibs which is very perplexing are not necessarily very clear which can make it even more difficult to deal with this particular condition but 
Theories include combinations of gut-brain problems, gut mobility disorders, pain sensitivity, and infections including small intestinal bacteria growth, neurotransmitters, genetic factors, and food sensitivities can all sort of impact the IBS symptoms and how often you have them and how long they last. But many people find that onset can be triggered by intestinal infections or stressful life events. Mm -hmm. But essentially IBS is a functional gastrointestinal disorder. But some of the more worrisome features of this particular conditions are an onset of greater than 50 years of age, weight loss, blood in the stool, or a family history of inflammatory bowel disease. But interestingly enough, celiac disease, colitis, inflammatory bowel disease, bile acid malabsorption, and colon cancer can all sort of mimic the same symptoms. That's kind of crazy. Right? How how would a doctor really diagnose um, those different things? I mean, they would really have to do some some pretty extensive testing and like really ask I mean really go into detail I think you know because they do all sound kind of similar I think it probably involves a lot of testing and a lot of appointments at the doctor to be able to come up with a conclusive diagnosis for something of this nature yeah I agree there's no known (laughs) also there's no known cure for this which is even more frightening Right. But treatment is carried out to improve symptoms that can include dietary changes, medications, probiotics, and counseling, believe it or not. But doctors usually recommend that people increase their soluble fiber intake and and Mm -hmm. try a gluten-free diet or a short-term diet that's low in certain things and more high in fiber. And they also give people laxatives to help with constipation, antidepressants, and then try to give patients education. Hmm. But about 10 to 15% of the people in the developed world are believed to be impacted by IBS. Interesting, right? Yeah, that is very interesting. That's a lot of people. And it's twice as common in women than men. I wonder why that is. I don't know, but it typically, they say, appears before the age of 45. And appears to become less common with age. So it does not appear to impact, to impact life expectancy and can or lead to other serious diseases. It seems to be more of a pain in the butt, literally, than anything else for this particular <laughs> thing, right? Yes, it does sound like that. So symptoms, oh, primary symptoms of this condition are abdominal pain or discomfort in association with frequent diarrhea or constipation and a change in bowel habits. Symptoms usually are experienced as acute attacks that subside within a day, but reoccurring attacks are usually pretty common. They can also be urgency for bowel movements, a feeling of incomplete evacuation, bloating, or abdominal dissension. In other words, your belly just sticks out a lot. In many cases, symptoms are relieved with bowel movements, but people with IBS more commonly than others have gastrointestinal reflux. Chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, headaches, backaches, and psychiatric symptoms like depression or or anxiety. And about a third of men and women who have IBS also report sexual dysfunction, typically in the form of reduction in libido. So this is very interesting to me because I think a lot of these signs and symptoms tend to repeat themselves in other conditions. Don't you think? 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, it just, it does seem like it's repetitive throughout each one of those things. And it must be extremely challenging to sort of narrow those conditions from one another. Like, for example, celiac disease, that's another condition that you talked about. You have some friends that suffer from that. But about 3 million Americans have celiac disease. It's an autoimmune disorder that is triggered when people eat gluten. Gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, rye, and other grains. It is a protein that makes dough elastic and gives bread its chewy texture. But when somebody with celiac disease eats something with gluten, their body overreacts to that protein and damages their body, essentially, and their small intestines. This means they can't properly absorb nutrients in food and can lead to malnourishment as well as loss of bone density, miscarriages, infertility, and many other neurological diseases or cancers. Mm -hmm. Um, The symptoms of this particular issue are itchy or watery eyes, a hard time breathing, stomach upset, stomach pain, abdominal pain, nausea, anemia, itchy, blistery rash, loss of bone density, headaches, general fatigue, bone or joint pain, mouth ulcers, weight loss, and heartburn. Children can, uh, excuse me, children also experience these symptoms in the same manner that adults are, but it's more common for them to experience nausea or vomiting, bloating or swelling in the belly, diarrhea, constipation, pale or foul-smelling stool, and weight loss. But researchers are saying that only about 20% of the people with this disease ever get a proper diagnosis. So, and yeah, they also that would say make it that it's really difficult for doctors to diagnose. Yeah, they say that the damage for this particular disease is so slow. And the symptoms are so varied that it can sometimes be years before people actually get a diagnosis on that mm-hmm. or experience any kind of treatment. And obviously the treatment for that seems a little bit more obvious than some of the other conditions, i.e. don't eat the wheat, right? That seems like it would be an yeah. easier solution, although it can be challenging to find things that you like and enjoy that don't have gluten. Well, so my friend's mom was telling me how... She can't go to restaurants because if she eats something that has cross-contamination, even if they say it's gluten-free, everything, there cannot be, it can't touch foods that are gluten or she'll have an attack, which will make her very, very sick. Um, So, like, she has to be very careful about what restaurants she goes to. She has to use separate um, cooking utensils for her children and for her. Um, Because, again, she can't cross-contaminate her stuff, and she can't gain weight. Like, she's really, really, really skinny. Uh, So she says she has all, she gets, like, the blisters. So she has a very, very severe form of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with such a large portion of the population being involved with this, I think that there are probably varying levels of Mm -hmm. this condition within the population. Some people with very severe as other people have less severe, which would probably be no more blisters, but just an upset stomach and trouble digesting things. But it seems to me that it would be extremely challenging to be able to distinguish some of these diseases from each other. Well, there are some um, blood tests you can do for celiacs, but the thing is, is you have to be on gluten for like 30 days. You have to eat a certain amount of gluten for that test, for the blood test to come out 
positive for celiac disease, but they do have blood tests for that one. Wow, that's super interesting. The next portion of this that seems to be commonly fitting into these same sort of classification of stomach ailments is Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. which fits into the inflammatory bowel disease category, and I'm going to kind of touch on that in just a bit. This can impact any part of the gastrointestinal tract from the mouth to the anus. Signs and symptoms include abdominal pain, again, crossing over. Diarrhea can be bloody sometimes. Fever and weight loss. Other complications can include anemia, skin rashes, arthritis, inflammation of the eye, and tiredness. Skin rashes can be due to infections as well as other problems with this condition. Bowel obstruction may occur as a complication of chronic inflammation, and those with the disease are at a greater risk of bowel cancer. Mm-hmm. So the cause of Crohn's yeah. is generally unknown, but it is believed to be due to a combination of environmental factors, immune system issues, and bacterial factors in genetically susceptible individuals. Mm-hmm. So basically, the body's immune system is attacking the gastrointestinal tract, possibly targeting microbial antigens within the body. Right. And certain foods will trigger it with certain people. Yeah. Um, Like I said earlier, I had a friend who she ate a carrot, just a little bit of a carrot that was in food that she didn't see. She was in the hospital. Like it impacted her so bad. It almost killed her. Like it was her body can't digest that. And so it just wreaks complete havoc on her body. That is so scary. And she, everything just shut down. What's really scary interesting about this particular condition is that it says tobacco smokers are twice as likely to develop Crohn's disease as non-smokers. Huh. And this condition often begins with gastroenteritis. Mm-hmm. Diagnosis is usually based on a number of findings, including biopsy and appearance of the bowel wall. Medical imaging and description of the disease are all required to be able to diagnose this. But it can often present very similarly and people can confuse it with irritable bowel syndrome. There are no medications or surgical procedures that can cure this problem. Treatment options are intended to help with symptoms to maintain remission and prevent relapse. Scary. But with people that have this, they recommend you stop smoking, watch your diet. About one in five people with the disease are admitted to a hospital each year. About half of those with the disease will require surgery at some point over okay. a 10 year period. Yeah. And this is typically to address abscesses, certain bowel obstructions and cancers. That's scary. It is scary. And then they tell people with Crohn's that they need to get checked out for bowel cancer with a colonoscopy every few years. Yeah, that would be really, really scary. Our um, next door neighbor's son got diagnosed with Crohn's and he was really, really sick for a summer. And then he, I think they figured it all out and he's starting to do better now. But like he was in and out of the hospital too. That's he was scary. Just so sick. Yeah. Could only imagine. And he was fine up until like, um, I think 17. And that's when he started having these flare ups and problems and. I ended up having to go in and out. It was pretty scary for him. Yeah. I mean, they say Crohn's disease impacts about 3.2 people per 1,000 in Europe and North America. It is much less common in Asia and Africa, and it has been more common in the developed world. 
with rates mm. increasing rapidly since the 70s. Crohn's disease, folks with Crohn's disease have a slightly reduced life expectancy and it tends to start in the teens and 20s, although it, it can occur at any age. Males and females are equally affected for this condition. And it's just, it seems like a scary thing. Yeah, that would be really, um, um, and if you think about it as a teenager, because you have to, you, you have a restrictive diet and as a teenager, that would be really, really hard. Think of all the stuff that you ate as a teenager. I mean, that would be really challenging to be like, oh, suddenly I need to restrict my diet. Yeah. That'd be hard. Scary. So there is no cure for this, as I mentioned earlier, and remission may not be possible or prolonged if achieved. In cases where remission is possible, relapse can be prevented and symptoms controlled with medication, lifestyle, and dietary changes. Mm -hmm. So they say that you want to change your eating habits, eat smaller amounts more often, reduce your stress, get some moderate activity and exercise, and surgery is generally indicated if it has not been shown Wait, surgery is generally con surgery is generally used but has not been shown to prevent remission. Mm. So adequately controlled Crohn's disease does not significantly restrict daily living and treatment for Crohn's disease is only when symptoms are active and involve first treating the acute problem then maintaining remission. But lifestyle changes like dietary adjustments, elimination of junk food from your diet, proper hydration, and stopping the smoking are very, very important. Diets need to include high levels of fruit and fiber. And diets that are rich in total fats, meat, and omega fatty acids may increase the risk of Crohn's. So if you're on that freaking keto diet or you're doing like the Atkins, you can increase your risk of Crohn's disease. Hmm. But maintaining a balanced diet with proper nutrition and portion control can definitely help manage symptoms of the disease. I think it's hilarious because diet and exercise is pretty much good for almost every single disease. Yep. <laughs> and then so many people are now saying as well that eliminating the protein found in cow's milk and gluten from their diets can help effectively control this particular condition. Uh that sounds about right. Which is interesting because... Our bodies aren't really meant to process... I think a food allergy test would also be pretty effective in this particular instance because when your body is fighting off some sorts of allergies, the inflammation is worse and you're always going to have conditions within your body made worse when you're eating things that you're allergic to. Well, and I think there's a difference between food allergies and then food intolerances because I've done allergy testing... And, like, um, I thought for sure I was allergic to dairy because mm -hmm. it really wreaks havoc on my body. But um, I'm not. I just have an intolerance to it. That's interesting. Yep. So I think the fourth component of this is inflammatory bowel disease, which is slightly different from irritable bowel syndrome. It's a group of inflammatory conditions of the colon and small intestine. Crohn's disease and ulcer ulcerative colitis are the principal types of inflammatory bowel disease. So we just talked about Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. But Crohn's disease affects the small intestine and the large intestine, as well as the mouth, esophagus, stomach, and anus. 
whereas ulcerative colitis primarily affects the colon and rectum. That sounds horrible. So if you have this particular condition, inflammatory bowel disease, you can also have abdominal pain, diarrhea, rectal bleeding, severe internal cramps, muscle spasms of the pelv- in the pelvis, and weight loss. Anemia is also common. Associated comp- complaints or diseases include arthritis, non-thyroidal illness syndrome, deep vein thrombosis, and a number of other things that seem like they have they share that inflammatory marker in the stool. So inflammatory bowel disease arises as a result of the interaction of environmental and genetic factors which lead to this particular response and inflammation in the intestine. So diet is a primary tool used to control this. In particular, um, gluten sensitivity is a common trigger causing flare-ups. Gluten sensitivity is actually reported in about a quarter of the patients with Crohn's disease as well as ulcerative colitis. A diet high in protein, particularly animal protein, can be associated with increased risk of inflammatory bowel disease and relapses. So obviously, if you're suffering from this, you want to avoid the animal proteins and the milk and things like that and stick to more of a healthy fruit and veggie diet. That sounds accurate. So talk to me a little bit about your own personal experience with these particular issues. Um, About, I don't know, like 20 years ago, I was um, diagnosed with IBS. And um, I had so many different, like, digestive issues. I had um, really bad acid reflux. And I I would go between severe constipation to like severe diarrhea like just just it would flare up so bad just depending on what was going on in my life at the at the time and it was really quite miserable um very uncomfortable and um the doctor wanted to treat give me different treatments and whatnot but in the end what ended up working for me was just changing my lifestyle the diet and exercise has made such a huge difference in my digestive issues. And um, also um, I take probiotics and drink more water and I mean, just kind of common sense stuff that we just don't really think about affecting us, but they do. So they're very little things that take not a whole lot of effort in your life, but can make a big change when you combine them with diet and exercise, right? Right. Like taking You probiotics, really just don't think about it. Taking the probiotics, drinking the right amount of water, exercising moderately every day, avoiding processed foods, avoiding animal fats if you are triggered by that. I, my trigger foods are dairy and gluten, so like bread products and stuff like that I can't eat too much of I can have small amounts of dairy but it has to be like Greek yogurt you know and small amounts of cheese but again it will still like causes other issues so I have to just be really careful well first and foremost for people that might potentially think that they're suffering from these conditions is see your doctor that's like the first step 
Uh, the second thing that I would probably recommend with people that are either suspecting or thinking that they may be suffering from something like this is to start keeping a journal. Keep a, keep a, a pretty concise and accurate record of what you're eating every day, what time you're mm -hmm. eating it, and what sorts of symptoms that you are experiencing because your doctor is going to want to know about that. And pay yeah, attention to what really you're helpful. eating. Like what happens when you eat chicken? What happens when you eat yogurt? What happens when you drink milk? Like keep a very accurate description of that because that is certainly going to help with diagnosis and with figuring out what you can do in your diet to control your symptoms. Well, and the more information you have for the doctor, the easier it makes that it for them to be able to diagnose and treat the, the problem. Absolutely. And the biggest thing is educate yourself. Don't sit there and expect that your doctor is going to take care of your, your issue by giving you a pill. Because that is not how it works. You need to do your research. If you, I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking your symptoms and scrolling through WebMD when you have no indication of what you might potentially have, but see your doctor Get at least a preliminary indication of what you might be dealing with and then do your research then. Because if you start, you haven't had a doctor's appointment and you don't know what's going on and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm having stomach pain. Is it colon cancer? And you start Googling colon cancer. And what are the symptoms of colon cancer? That's not an effective way of educating yourself. All that's going to do is make you freak out and think that you have colon cancer. Exactly. So what you want to do is start with the very basics. Go see your doctor. Your doctor was, is probably going to say to you, based on your symptoms, based on this accounting of what you eat and the sort of reactions that you have when you eat it, you yeah. could potentially be suffering from A, B, C, or D. In that right. way, it helps you narrow down what's going on. And once that happens and that initial appointment comes into play, you will most likely be recommended to take more tests and to do to figure out a little bit more accurately what's going on with you they may do x-rays they may do blood work and they may ask you to continue to keep track of what you're eating so that you can see how it's impacting you day to day on your daily activities and how you feel I think a food journal is really, really helpful because then they can be like, okay, you were eating this and then, you know, an hour later, this is what you were feeling. Right. I think um, it definitely helps narrow down what potential issues you might be suffering from. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of scary because I feel like there has been a very, very rapid increase in these sorts of illnesses and conditions within our society in the last 20 or 30 years. Right. Well, you know, it kind of makes you wonder how much of it is re is related to um, food production and how things are being processed and what we're eating now against what we were eating, you know, 20 years ago. Um, seeing all the increase, because think about when you were a kid, like how much of this stuff do you remember hearing about? None. I don't remember ever hearing about any kind of like digestive issues really I mean the only thing I knew about was like if you get constipated but that was usually again food related and it was because you ate too much of something and not enough fiber yeah 
I definitely think that there are a lot of environmental factors at play now that we never dealt with back then. There are a lot of chemicals that we're using in our cleaning products that are causing mm-hmm. inflammation in our bodies. There's also there, uh, there like our cows and our chickens are being fed um, antibiotics because of um, to keep them from getting sick because of the conditions that they're being raised in. Yeah, absolutely. It's scary. So, and then, you know, the um, antibiotics and different drugs are getting into our water system. So when you're drinking water, there's that trace amounts of drugs in there. I've That's read about that. That's what I've heard about as well. It's getting, into the, it's getting into the water. Well, I mean, I don't think that you can eliminate everything from your life. No. And I also don't think that it's going to do us any good to freak out about every little thing that goes into our bodies. But on the other hand, there are certain things that you can work with to sort of prevent the maximum amount of damage that you may be putting your body through. Like making sure that you're trying to eat organic if you can. Growing your own fruits and vegetables if you can. Um, shopping at co-ops, going to farmer's markets instead of doing the big box stores, keeping the food journal, watching what you're eating, eliminating the processed foods from your diet if you can do that. Those are all things that we should be considering to be more healthful individuals in our society. Yes, and exercise. That's huge. Yeah, moving your body. What about your kids? Would you say that they suffer from food allergies or food intolerances? Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't think about that. But yeah, um, so Bella, my oldest, she has always had tummy issues um, since she was little. And she can't have like certain foods like with food color. She'll like vomit. Wow. She like I didn't vomits know that. a lot. Yeah. She's a puker. <laughs> I personally am not so but she but if she eats certain foods um or uh, and stress will trigger it too um so so vomit if she's stressed yeah so if she has certain foods and she's stressed she'll she'll just vomit wow she vomits a lot it's pretty gross but um yeah she can't eat certain foods and then she struggles she also struggled a lot as a kid with constipation um, so and I'm I think sure it just, she would be horrified a lot of that was like I was a staring. young mom and I just wasn't aware that I should have been feeding her like different you know things like having a better diet I'm sure so she would just... be horrified if she knew you were sharing this <laughs> <laughs> she right? probably would yeah um, Maya seems to have like a gluten sensitivities um she gets really bloated in her tummy when she has gluten if she has too much of it she'll vomit dang um yeah no it's real it's a real deal she can have small amounts of it but again she gets like the tummy bloated bloating um and then she feels like somebody's like punched her in the gut dang yeah she gets these really bad tummy aches um if she eats too much of it, she'll definitely vomit. I tried explaining it to my husband's family, and they didn't understand. And then she threw up all over their house. Oh no! What about? I'm like, well, you should have listened. They thought I was just making it up. What about your other two kids? 
Um, so Gabe and Jack um, have um, their uh, lactose intolerant. So they're, it's theirs is dairy. And so they just get really bad tummy aches and uh, severe diarrhea, skin rashes, stuff like that. I just feel like all this stuff is interrelated. Irritable bowel disease, celiac disease, Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, food intolerance, food allergies, food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. All of it is interrelated. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there are a lot of crossover symptoms. So it, I just feel like something in our diet or our environment has dramatically and drastically impacted healthy gut bacteria for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. 100%. And as a result, oh, we, it's created well, all I these problems. Part of that is related to the antibiotics. Because um, taking antibiotics kills all the bacteria in your gut. And then if you don't replace that bacteria with something else, then you're, it upsets your whole system. Right, but there are plenty of people that are still experiencing this who have never taken antibiotics. Um, I don't know about that. I'm just, you know, what I've, the research that I've done and what I've read up on and how that impacts the body and if you think about it I mean it kind of does make sense if you're killing all the good bacteria and then you don't ever replace it with anything else that could really wreak havoc on your body because you need the good bacteria to digest your food right but I don't think that it's solely a function of taking antibiotics I think there are a number of no other... no, no no I'm just saying I think that that is part of it we're taking we are taking a lot of antibiotics it's in our food it's in our water um, so that I feel like that can impact our our bodies in a in a negative way. Absolutely. I don't think that's the only thing that's playing into it, but I think that that's part a piece of it. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any things to contribute? Do you have any digestive issues? Oh yeah, heck yeah! But like my stuff is not really diagnosed, and I don't really know what is causing it because. I have suffered from really like dramatic, I'd say constipation. Mm -hmm. I don't throw up or get diarrhea very often at all, maybe a few times a year. Mm -hmm. It's mostly for me like a constipation issue and just bloated stomach and upset stomach, painful and that sort of a thing. And I've tried eliminating certain things from my diet and it just, just comes and goes. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like stress ever plays a, a part of in that? Um, I, I'd say a small part for me. And it, you know, I try to get more fiber in my diet and it really doesn't seem to impact it in, in any sort of useful way. And when I go to the doctor, all they want to do is just put me on four different kinds of medication and laxatives. And I just don't feel like that's oh. a good solution to the problem. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awful. So, in the meantime, like, I'm always looking for holistic sort of ways to deal with the issue. And for me, do you take Do you take probiotics? I do. Um, there's a particular brand that I like. It is from Whole Foods. It's like a... God, I can't remember what the name of it is. Oh, it's... Is it Bio, Bio Culture? No, it's Bio A... 
Oh yeah, that's a good one. They're like liquid. It's not because when you t if you take like a pill, you're really getting only a very 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 small portion of the true probiotics that are getting digested in your body. It's better to take something that's in liquid form. Mhm. Mm Is it like a yogurt yeah. drink kind of thing? You can get it in soy or in yogurt or in I think one other format, but they're usually in the refrigerator refrigerated section. I can't do kombucha. There's too much acid in it. It upsets my stomach. Um, okay. Yeah, certain things that I'm just not able to tolerate anymore, like tomatoes. Anything tomato-related just gives me the worst acid reflux. Oh, yeah. I used to have that problem, too. Pickles, apples, tomatoes, kombucha, things that are really kind of acidy, like vinegary, which I love vinegar. I just oh, don't seem no. to tolerate very well anymore. It just gives me really bad acid reflux. That's a bummer. Yeah. But, you know, I just keep plugging along, and I don't think I have as bad of an issue as a lot of people. I'm not hospitalized. I'm not incapacitated by it in any way, shape, or form. So I tend to think, you know, I'm a little bit luckier than some people. Although it doesn't feel good when you haven't gone to the bathroom in, like, a week. No, that's painful. This is awful. So, I think, you know, until the days where they can give you just a handy-dandy little pill to balance the organisms in your stomach and digestive system, I'll, I'll keep waiting. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I haven't been constipated in a really, really long time, thank, thank God. But they, so. there's studies now underway where they're taking the fecal matter from healthy individuals Filtering it, yeah, putting it in that. pills, and then selling it to people with intestinal issues to balance the gut bacteria. Yes, because of the bacteria, the good bacteria that they have in their intestines. And then so interesting. And giving it to that bacteria to somebody else. So they're basically telling you to eat shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard that they take it and they put it in there. Like, you don't eat it, you planted in there now I've heard a couple of different ways that they're trying to incorporate it into people's digestive systems including taking just a pill injecting oh, shit it pill? Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of other different God. ways they're trying to figure out the cheapest most effective way to um, get it into your body God, that sounds that's I mean that just sounds disgusting but like if if you're I guess if you, that's the only option that you have and you're suffering from some, oh, this sounds terrible. Right. Anyway, um, go see your doctor if you suspect that you are suffering from one of these particular conditions. I know it can be very painful, life altering, and, and just really be problematic for a lot of individuals. So if you feel like that's something that you're dealing with, please see your doctor get diagnosed and, and get yourself on the road to treatment. Watch your diet. Start taking that food journal very seriously. Um, in the meantime, we are going to say so long. Farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our little show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please shoot us an email. We are at hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com or 
hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com. We will put both of those in the show notes. And please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye.